Welcome to the Perfectly Preserved Podcast. I'm your host, Jenny Gomes. And I'm Anna Cash. Here, we come together to bring you a podcast all about preserving food safely, easily, and dare I say perfectly at home. We are master food preservers, moms, wives, and we love talking about canning. We've decided the world needs a podcast that shares up-to-date, modern, safe information about canning, dehydrating, freezing, freeze-drying, and more. We answer listener questions, teach beginner and intermediate techniques, and share our very best tips for preserving successfully. We'll show you how to find trusted recipes, sources, and more so you never have to second-guess your preserving practices again. Ready to can like a master preserver? Let's get into today's episode. Welcome to the Perfectly Preserved Podcast. I'm so excited to be here with you today. Jenny and I are going to be giving you some canning hacks today. The episode is going to be all about how to manage that overwhelm maybe that can happen during preserving season and what we personally do, some advice we've seen online. So let's get started. Jenny, let's talk about our first canning hack. Okay, so... I kind of was thinking about this episode like canning smarter, not harder, because this can be as complicated and difficult as you want to make it. But hopefully these hacks or these tips will help you make things smarter and thus simpler and easier and more enjoyable. So the first thing on our list is to do an inventory check. And this is very good advice that I sometimes should take more seriously And what that means is reviewing, like stand on a stool, get down on your hands and knees, pull out whatever canned items you have left from last season or longer and move that stuff to the front. See if you really do need to can more blackberry jam. Do you really need more tomato sauce? Figure out what you have left. And if you have a ton of one thing left over, then that might signal either that where you're storing it isn't ideal for your family to grab and enjoy, or maybe you are just the only one in the family that loves applesauce or whatever the recipe is. So I think an inventory check is the first, it's pre, it's before you even go to the farmer's market or before you start canning is you need to review what do I have and what do I need to make more of? How do you do your inventory check, Anna? Well, I mostly eyeball it and it does change like with the seasons of your life, right? Like I just spent the last week with my parents and I brought produce up to Alaska and I was making jams and they were like, oh, why don't you put it in like a half pint or a quarter pint? Because when they eat jam, they use less, right? Right. So I might use a pint for my family. You might use a pint, Jenny, but there are definitely people that are either single or they have a smaller family and they'll use less. So figuring out during the year how much you're actually going to eat is super important. I know that when our son left two years ago, it put a big dent in how much food was eaten from our pantry. (laughs) I definitely noticed that I didn't have to make as much pickles or salsa, like those things managed to last longer. So I think I went a year without making any tomato products. Like in 2022, I didn't make any tomato products because I made a ton in 2021. Mm-hmm. But this year I'm going to do you know, my normal batches of tomato products. Right. I think that's really good that you brought up the jar size because that is an important thing that you can fine tune. And when I started canning, I 
felt like like my canning memories were all in nothing smaller than half pints than in pints. So I like my I was pregnant, I was gonna have little babies, little kids around. I had to kind of rethink and found it to be really helpful to can in small jars. Like I like just opening a jar and I don't care if it took me more batches to make more small jars. Like to me, that's really, I like that. And I like being able to like, oh, just one cup of jam in a half pint jar. We enjoy that flavor. And then we go on to a different flavor. Like I feel like it brings more variety to what we're eating. And I only have two kids. So we aren't going through the food quite as quickly as a bigger family. So I, again, I like a smaller jar size as opposed to a bigger one, but see, that's something you got to think through when you're doing your inventory check and thinking back, okay, yeah, those big jars that ended up molding or, you know, in the fridge because we didn't eat it as fast or whatever. I think the, the jar size is an important thing to think about for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And it changes, it fluctuates and you just have to kind of evaluate at the end of your season. Right. Okay, so the next item is if you have planned that you are going to can that day or preserve or whatever you're going to do to plan your dinner ahead of time, whether that's a crock pot or meal planning for the week or, you know, just any type of prep that you can do before you start reduces the amount of stress (laughs) on you, your family, whoever your loved ones are that are living with you. And Jenny and I were even talking about this, that we make sandwiches before we even start so that when we're yeah. in the thick of it, um, we don't have to think about, we just don't have to think yeah. about it. You need to think about feeding yourself and everyone else before you start this because, I mean, you don't have to do a lot of batches. You don't have to do three batches of jam. You don't have to, but sometimes you feel like you're on a roll and you get like, oh, I'm getting the hang of this. I, I've already, I already have the cutting board out. I already know the recipe. I never feel like I have to keep going, but I feel like, oh, well, I'm already doing it. I'm going to do another batch. So by planning ahead, have a supper figured out, have your crock pot or your sheet pan or your stuff chopped, whatever you're going to do for supper, have that figured out before you begin. And that is such a, I mean, that might be, that's not the best hack, but that's a really good one. Just having that figured out because you might be a little tired at the end of the day and you're going to be tired of washing dishes and tired of cutting things up. And that can just be a, a great way to end your day. I think having your supper figured out. The next item was to have your kitchen clean and to have assembled the things that you would need like new lids, have your jars, like know where that that is, have them clean, have your rings assembled, make sure you've gone through the rings and made sure that they're not rusty and toss those rusty ones. Like start with a clean space so that you're able to work quickly and efficiently. Yeah, that's right. I think you can, at least me anyway, I don't know how you are, Jenny, or any of our listeners, but I feel like I can really dive into the project that I'm doing if my kitchen's clean, if everything's in order, if all of my ingredients are there. You know what I mean? Like it just makes such a difference to have my dishwasher emptied so that I can put dirty dishes right in there when I'm done and I don't have to feel overwhelmed. Right. And I can in a very small kitchen. It's really, really small. I've been canning in this kitchen for 13 years now. Yeah. <laughs> it's a long time. But having like the available counter space clear so that you can 
have a safe spot to put your hot jars. It becomes almost a safety thing. Like if you don't have a safe spot to put hot jars or if you're struggling to make room in the sink to pour out hot water, it becomes kind of dicey. So definitely take that point seriously. Yeah, for sure. And I've seen Jenny's kitchen and it is small. And the place that I can in is really small as well. It's just sometimes you just got to do it in a small kitchen. And now a quick word about our courses. Want to learn more about canning? Check out our video courses. Anna's beginner and advanced canning courses are available at smarthomecanning.com. And Jenny teaches a variety of courses, including the super fast steam canning course at startcanning.com. Use code POD25 to get 25% off those courses today. That's code POD25 to get 25% off today. So the next thing on our list is organizing and sorting and washing When I'm doing any type of fruit like apricots or peaches, nectarines, whatever it is, sometimes I get a a large amount, whether Mm -hmm. it's from my own tree or people will contact me and say, hey, I have this amount of fruit. Do you want it? And it's hard for me to turn it down. So a lot of times when I am doing kind of a, a large amount of stuff, I have to really think about how I'm going to organize and sort what I'm doing. So for instance, when I'm doing apricots, if I sort them, so I have my blender right next to the table where I'm sorting and I will just pit and open and throw those really mushy apricots in there. I'll put the really good ones for jam making in the pot. I will put the also good ones for dehydrating right in my dehydrator. So I have all three set up in my table uh, after I've washed these apricots so that I know exactly what I'm doing. And it's not all the same things. And a lot of times it's just hands off as well. Like my dehydrator, I can load that up with fruit really easily or fruit leather while I'm making jam. So I'm going to make you dive even further into this apricot thing because it's such a good example of what we're trying to explain. So before we press record, I was trying to think like, what is the word to describe this? And I don't think I ever landed on it, but it's the idea where you have a bunch of one thing, a bunch of apples or a bunch of apricots or whatever. And you think about what are the different recipes or different foods that I'm going to make out of this one produce item. And then at the same time that you are getting the blender filled with the really soft apricots to make fruit leather. You are also pitting and choosing the apricots that are more firm and will have more natural pectin for your jam. And then in the same day, you're also putting some on the dehydrator for just for dehydrated apricots, right? Yeah. So you're thinking through what can I set into motion while you're actively cooking jam, for example, can you also have the dehydrator running? Yes, because that's completely hands-off and so easy, right? So say a little bit more about that, how you do that, Anna. Well, and it's not even just with like apricots. Sometimes, Mm -hmm. especially right now in September, when the kids go back to school, there's usually my peach tree is ready and my pear tree is also ready. So 
Sometimes I will be like cooking peach jam when I also have a load of pears and I can be washing and slicing my pears for the dehydrator while my jam is cooking. Right. All in the same kitchen, but I don't want you to think that I'm just like out picking while I've got peach jam on the stove, but it's definitely like just being mindful and utilizing your time well so that you can get multiple things done at the same time, but without too much more work. Right. Right. Because you can pause washing or coring or pitting fruit at any time that you need to address the jam. As long as you're right in the same vicinity, you can remain active prepping the next recipe or prepping the rest of the fruit without leaving, you're taking too much attention off of your cooking your jam or cooking your tomato sauce or whatever the case may be. Right, right. So this weekend I made, well, I made a variety of things, but like I was steaming choke cherries. So that takes actually a kind of a lot of time. So, but I had to be in the kitchen while the juice is being steamed out of the choke cherries. And while that was happening, I could cut up strawberries. I got a screaming deal on strawberries at Rayleigh's. And I usually don't just buy bulk fruit at a regular grocery store like that, but it was such a good price. I couldn't help myself. Nice. So while the juice was steaming, I washed and cut the tops off of my strawberries and covered them in sugar to do strawberry preserve. So I had my little little small prep project happening while the juice was steaming slowly. And then in the same vein, so I get it all juiced. It's it's like dinner time. I'm done for I don't can at nighttime usually. I mean unless I have to. I hate to. And so then I could have stayed up late and made syrup and canned it right then, but I didn't. I just put the lid on it and put that saucepan of juice in the fridge and did it several days later. So that's another thing is you can do, I'm kind of going down a side road, but you can break your canning project into into separate chunks or separate days. Right. No, I think that's perfect. I think that's exactly what people need to hear because some people think that they have to do all of the steps at the same time in the same day. And there are definitely projects that you can put in the fridge. I know that I have been cooking salsa and it wasn't quite done and I didn't want to stay up really late. And so I will let it cool down and then I put it in my fridge, you know, my big stock pot of salsa. And so I just got it out the next day and cooked it down a little bit more and then it was ready. So yeah, just take your time. It's going to be okay. (laughs) And I think a lot of people think that they can't, break a canning project into separate days, like for safety or something, but you definitely can. The cooking or prepping of the ingredients can happen over a few days. And once you start the canning process, you need to complete it all at one whack. But you can definitely break it up over days. And actually, uh, tomato sauce or tomato products, because it takes time to peel tomatoes or any product where you have to peel, something I've done is I'll peel one day and then can or cook everything the next or peel it and then cook the sauce and then can it the next day or with pressure canning recipes that's a good one where you could like soak your beans one day and brown your meat and then the next day heat everything up assemble everything and then pressure can it because pressure canning processes take quite a bit longer than water bath yes i mean you definitely can do a whole batch in one day but i mean it really is 
easy in that you can break it up over a couple days and do chunks in the afternoon or daytime or whatever so that you're not just canning or just in the kitchen for so many hours. Yeah, absolutely. That's a good point that that you don't have to do it all in one day. Right. And I just thought of what you said, like beans or chili or tomatoes. Like, yeah, that's definitely like a two-day thing for me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I break it up all the time. <laughs> Always. Smart. The next step we thought of was like think through if you have one type of food, like a bunch of apples, a bunch of apricots, a bunch of tomatoes, think through all the different recipes that you want to make with those foods and don't limit yourself to just canning, right? Don't think I'm just going to be canning these. Could you dehydrate? Could you uh, use a freeze dryer or a bar, you know, get some freeze dried? Could you make fruit leather? What could you do that's not just canning with those types of recipes? So for example, if when it's apples are ready for me, I do applesauce, apple juice. I might dehydrate some apples and I might can like spiced apple rings or apple pie filling. But think through all of those recipes and food types with that one type of produce. Yeah. That's awesome. That's perfect. And I would add one other thing to that is like if I'm doing tomatoes, I'll do like my crushed tomatoes first and then I'll do salsa and then I'll do maybe clean it up and do marinara the next day or something. But for me, I always start with the most basic and then I add other things so that not crossing things on my countertop, like the onion flavor, maybe getting into my crushed tomatoes. Like I'll do my basic stuff first and then the, uh, stuff next, if that makes sense. That makes perfect sense. And so let's say you're making, you know, whatever your basic crushed tomatoes, it's just plain old tomatoes or plain, uh, Mm -hmm. just something basic. Okay. That can be processing, which takes, you know, can be 10, 15, however many minutes minimum, right? Where it's coming up to boil or getting ready to be processed. Then you can start cutting up other vegetables or getting assembling other ingredients, doing the little bit more labor intensive or the recipes that have more steps. You can be doing that while that's processing. I feel like that's a very smart workflow. And I do that all the time too. Or like like if I'm doing a peach jam and then I'm doing like a peach jalapeno, I'll definitely do the plain first and then do the, the pepper jelly next. Yeah. Have your recipes like available. So pulled up on the computer screen or on your phone screenshotted or written down on a post-it note or the cookbook is open right there. I think that's really important. Even, I I mean, I've canned a lot and I still have the recipes out just to keep like my to-do list very clear in my mind so I don't skip a step. And I'm not a person that's great at remembering numbers necessarily. So I also review like, oh, this process is for this many minutes or this, you know, this takes this long or it's this many pints or I review even though it is very, very familiar to me. I just give it a skim, even though I've been canning a lot, I still keep the recipe out. And we wanted to remind you guys to review your recipe thoroughly to check to see that you have all the ingredients. (laughs) That's the key, really. (laughs) 
<laughs> There's nothing worse than that. Than looking at your ingredient list and then realizing, oh, I don't have tomato paste for salsa. I don't have the right amount of pectin. I don't have citric acid. Uh, like, ugh, it's so frustrating. Yeah, especially those acidifying ingredients because you smart listeners know you can't you can't skip them. <laughs> you need to have them, right? There was, what was it? There was like some, the citric acid package I had, it was like a little shaker bottle kind of, so it kind of looked like, oh yeah, it's green lid. So it looked like Lowry's garlic salt. So I thought, I saw this little green lid in my cabinet and thought, oh, oh I oh. I have the citric acid I need. No, it was dang Lowry's garlic salt. Same green lid, not even remotely close <laughs> to what I needed. It's just very irritating and it slows you down and it's a dumb rookie move, but <laughs> we're all human. We make mistakes. So definitely review your list of things that you need. It happens. It does happen. But boy, that was that was last year, I think. That was an annoying, an annoying thing I did. <laughs> okay. So the next thing on our list is just when you're preserving to do the fruit with the fruit, pressure canning with pressure canning. So for Jenny and I, we both were like, I don't think we've done fruit on the same day that we pressure can. Mm -mm. It's just easier if you're doing the same thing during the day rather than mixing up maybe the sweet with the savory. Yeah, just, yeah. At least it is for us anyway. Avoids confusion. <laughs> well, and like, it's just easy if, for your utensils, your cutting boards, if everything is like fruit for the day, you know, the, the, the knife that you use to cut apples with is okay to, you know, cut up peaches or whatever. Like that's not gonna. And also the times that it takes seems sensible to keep the water bath stuff on one day and the pressure canning recipes on another, I think. Yeah, I agree. And let's say that you were doing, let's say fruit, water bath, and then like making pickles also. Anna, you're going to tell me how you would do it, but I would do the fruit first and then I would do like crushing the garlic for the for the pickles. I would do the pickles after. Is that how you would do it? Yeah, for sure. But I also have the added pressure of like making sure that things don't get crossed contaminated in my cottage kitchen. Yeah, so yeah. a lot of times I will just only do one thing in like I'm only doing peaches or I'm only doing pickles that day just because I don't want to... I just don't want to cross contaminate. Right. So, right. No, that it's just, it's smart, I think, to do it that way. So, even if you don't have a cottage food license like Anna, you guys could listen to that great episode about how to get a cottage food license, how Anna did it, if you'd like to learn more. But the next item on our list was use every appliance or, or thing in your kitchen. So, think through like while. <laughs> while the applesauce is cooking down or oh wait here's a better okay here's a better one instead of cooking the applesauce in a stock pot or a pot on the stove could i use the crock pot to slow cook it or could i have the dehydrator going while i'm cutting something else up or could i use the instant pot i don't personally use an instant pot I bet when I do my kitchen addition and I have more room, I, I will get one. But I don't personally have one. But I know plenty of canners use an instant pot to super quickly cook apples so it's ready for applesauce like in 11 minutes or something. I don't know how fast they are, but really fast, right? So think like that. Think, what else could I be using 
to speed this up or to to do double duty while I'm doing something else. How do you do that? You know, how, give us some tricks on that. Yeah, I was just thinking last season I had beets that I wanted to cook and it always seems to take forever to either roast them or boil them. So I used my Instant Pot for beets and they went so fast. I want to say I cooked them in like 12 minutes Mm -hmm. and it was great. And then they were like the perfect fork tenderness for pickled beets. The other time I've used my Instant Pot is when I, after I roast my bones, for bone broth, I will put them in the instant pot with my water, my salt, any of my aromatics that I'm using, maybe some carrots and celery. And I will do the instant pot with my bones. Instead of cooking them all day, I do them in the instant pot for 45 minutes and it tastes just as good as it does when you do it all day. Right. That's a smart hack. And that might be a controversial statement. (laughs) There are some people who really love to cook their bone broth down for, you know, hours and hours and hours. But I found that uh, Instant Pot is just as good to pressure cook them. Mm, I would be pretty surprised if there was any factual evidence to say that that was not as not as virtuous nutritionally. I'd be pretty surprised if someone could could prove that. Mm -hmm. I mean, maybe I'm open to it, but I I bet it's probably it's probably just as good. But it's certainly a good time-saving tip. I mean, an excellent time-saving tip. And it's better for your electricity bill. It takes a lot of energy to cook stuff all day long. Mm-hmm. I mean, it it's fine if it's like wintertime and it's also warming your house. You know, I, I, I justify it like that. But it does take energy to, to cook stuff just for hours and hours. So I think it's really efficient in that way, too. We've mentioned once or twice on this podcast gadgets like the ball fresh tech water bath canner. So it's like a separate pot and that can be a great time saver. It can save you space on your stove. I've never used the jam maker, but I really would like to. Anna, have you ever used that? So I've never used it in my house. I don't own one, but I used it during the master food preserver course. So check it out. But I think it would be really great. Right. Have you? I have not. I never have. And I would like to. That Maybe that'll be a different episode where we both uh, weigh in on it. But yeah, there's lots of tools that you can use or you might already use or already have that can speed things up for canning efficiently, I guess. Yeah, for sure. And I think another one is like an immersion blender or a food processor. When I'm doing salsa, my food processor works overtime chopping and dicing, onions, peppers, jalapenos, garlic, all of it. Yes. Yeah. And the immersion blender, I love that. And I also, a food mill isn't fast, I guess. But yeah, like think, how else can I do this other than just me peeling by hand or me, cho- like it doesn't have to be just you and your hands. You can employ employ a, yeah. a wide world of kitchen tools I love a good food mill, but immersion blender for sauce, super smooth. That's actually really good on like fruit butter in the crock pot. You're never going to get smoother apple butter than with an immersion blender in the crock pot. Probably really good with the uh, really good blender too. So I think our next tip was to include your children and or invite a friend. Anna, what are your tips for that? Okay, so many years ago, Food preserving used to be a community event, 
Mm. It used to be a family event. Your friends would get together, you know, grandparents and their children would get together, grandchildren to be all part of this process. And I don't know what happened. I think it was maybe in 70s and 80s. It just kind of started falling out of fashion and people really seem to be, and and it's not, I'm, I'm just making a blanket statement. It's not everyone, but it seems like in a lot of communities that has been lost and it just makes the project go faster. You pass on generational knowledge. You can do more at a time without feeling overwhelmed. I think there's just so many benefits to inviting your children into the process or having a group of people together doing this. You and I both know, like when we teach classes, it's just so much more enjoyable. Don't you feel like? So much more fun. And I think this could be a cool episode for the future, just talking about including kids and or canning in a group. That could be a cool episode. But I have such a happy memory of inviting one of my friends over. I had a baby, you know, taking naps and I was kind of, you know, like when you have a baby, it feels kind of like you're stuck at home. You're not seeing your friends as often. Every day is like Groundhog Day. (laughs) But I have such happy memories of a friend coming over. She came over several times and canned with me. And not only were we able to can more, right? You can just go, you're going twice as fast. You're cutting everything up twice as fast. Everything's going more quickly. It was such an enjoyable thing to visit with a friend and have a cold drink and, you know, hear about what's happening out in the world outside baby land while your sauce is cooking or while, while it's happening. And then including kids. When I was a kid, I have very clear memories of, I was asked to help peel, pit, pick, And then help like deal with like, it was my job to like haul the peels outside and like throw them over the fence for the cows or, or like just managing the refuse, the debris, the the canning debris. That was, I remember very clearly doing a lot of that as a kid. So definitely invite a friend into your kitchen, even if you're just learning too. And even if they know nothing, invite them over. I also feel like people are like, amazed and impressed and interested when you say, oh, I'm canning. Would you love to come over? (laughs) You want to come help me? People love it. I think it's really fun. And it's, it it lends itself to like getting caught up, making a new friend, visiting while you're doing it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's just so many good aspects to it. Yeah. I just can't say enough about it. It's just so good. I mean, that's one of the things that I was reading recently in an article about like fending off depression and isolation Mm -hmm. is just being a part of community and community projects. Uh, They were talking about, I believe it was like um, college students living in the same dorm as elderly people. I want to say it was in Finland or something, but it was just about how important community is. And we just can't overstate enough how important it is to get together with people and to do projects and Mm -hmm. be involved. Uh, Amen. One canning hack (laughs) that I know I'm guilty of not listening to is don't overbook yourself or don't over plan or over commit to can more recipes than you reasonably have time to do. So what is smart is if you think I have time to do (laughs) three batches, you should just plan on two. And if time allows, then great. But 
that is where you end up running into trouble where you're like, well, shoot, I have to drive away from this house right now to pick up my kid, but my I'm halfway done processing. That is how people get into trouble is when they've overbooked themselves. Yeah. And they have to be somewhere or pick somebody up. Like that's a recipe for disaster. And I think we've all been there, done totally. that. And so this is a gentle reminder from us who have also not been the best at this, but just don't overbook yourself. I always try and think like I need double the amount of time that I think I do. And then I'm fine. <laughs> well, it's true. It's true. And I'm guilty of like, let me squeeze this one more thing in, which is <laughs> unadvisable. <laughs> End on a high note. And if you have extra time, well, then you can, you know, hull some strawberries or something, but don't turn the stove on. Don't get something going that has a time that you're, that's time bound because you very well may run out of time. And then if you're trying to cook something then you have to cool it and put it in the, it's just, that is when it gets stressful and unenjoyable. <laughs> take it from me. <laughs> that's how you take a nice afternoon and, <laughs> and uh, turn it into a stressful project that you regret. Our next tip was remember why you're doing this and pace yourself. So that's kind of goes hand in hand. Anna, what can you say to that point? Yeah, I think I think you really need to think about why exactly you're doing this. Is it because you want to be healthier? Is it because you want more delicious food for your family? Is it because you want to practice these skills? If you, you know, like there's a myriad of reasons why you're doing it. It's important to maybe write that down and put it on your cabinet so you can see it every time you're preserving. And it just kind of like puts your mind in the right headspace, remembering why. And then also just pace yourself. There's no reason to wear yourself out and just have terrible feelings about it. Right. You know, but you don't have to immediately can enough food to feed your family for the whole year. That is not Probably not possible, probably not feasible. <laughs> that should not be right. the goal. You should be canning like because you love to do it and you are excited to can some jars and enjoy it and share it with friends. Keep your goals realistic and pleasurable. We have a great episode about making canning relaxing or food preservation for relaxation. It's such a good episode. And I think if your goal is to keep it fun and pleasurable, then your pace will be much more sustainable. Yeah. Because there's nothing worse than just hating the process while you're doing it Ugh. and having miserable memories. I recently just went to my friend teaches a summer long gardening course. And at the end, they talk about food preservation. Mm. And they usually go and like answer questions or give resources. And almost every single time I'm like, raise your hand if you had negative feelings growing up about food preservation. And it's usually almost every single person raises their hand because there's just been like the stress and pressure to like do a ton at once. Usually there's not dinner in the oven. Yeah. You know, there's just like, it's just kind of not always been the best uh, feelings around food preservation for people. And mm -hmm. I think that's what Jenny and I, that's what our goal is really with the podcast is to make preserving pleasurable again. Totally. Oh, I could not have said it better. It's so true that 
it it can be really stressful and terrible, but that's not what the kind of food preservation we're teaching. And that's not what we want for our listeners. We want it to be enjoyable. So hopefully all these tips can give you a sense of like how to set up your workspace, make sure you got supper ready before you start, help you to think through like, what can I be doing other than canning? Can I have this in the dehydrator? Can I have it, you know, can I make a smoothie with the extras? What, like, what can you do into bags for the freezer for later? What ways can you utilize all your resources and just how to have an enjoyable, an enjoyable canning season? Yeah, I love that. Well, this was a really long episode. We had a lot to talk about, so I hope you enjoy it and we'll catch you next time for another episode of the Perfectly Preserved podcast. That's our show. We don't want you to miss an episode, so please be sure to subscribe. If you found this episode helpful and informative, please give our show a rating and review. It only takes a few seconds and it really helps our show grow. Follow us on social media at Smart Home Canning and at The Domestic Wildflower. Email your preserving questions to perfectlypreservedpodcast at gmail.com and we will do our best to answer your questions on the show. Thanks so much for listening. Stay tuned for our next episode released every week.